Hello residents of Meepletown, this is Dean, Darren Sunkist. And today we're going to be talking about some games, we're going to be sharing some board gaming news, we're going to have a Meepletown haul, and, and probably do some other stuff. So thanks for joining us as we strive to create community through board gaming. This is episode 134. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean with his I Love Philly t-shirt on and wearing a Washington Nationals cap and holding a Philly cheesesteak in his hand. Vegetarian. His vegetarian Philly cheesesteak in his hand and dripping grease, vegetarian grease, all the way down his arm. He is a despicable touristy site, let me tell you. Do you, what do you think about... Let me, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that part. <laughs> Vegetarians, vegans, they're going to let you know every single time, right? Like I didn't have to throw that in there. <laughs> I'm not even a full on vegetarian. I eat, I eat fish on occasion, like two or three times a year. So I'm, I'm kind of a poser. No, no, no. You're, but, you're a pescatarian. Well, yeah, but it's like a part-time pescatarian. That's just that too much. That's, that's, <laughs> that's too much to say, but I need to let you know. My eating habits are different than the rest of the world, and I and I will every time let you know, let the world know. And you probably should. And I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's as small of a percentage of the population as you think. Um, that's that's probably right. My, my youngest daughter is a selective part-time pescatarian as well, who who eats lots of vegetables, the occasional fish, and every once in a while, the occasional McDonald's cheeseburger. I can't explain that. It's just. <laughs> It is what it is. <laughs> I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know, I, I actually think now that I did this whole thing to keep my cholesterol under control, um, I feel like I've been doing a good job of keeping weight and cholesterol at at bay for the most part. I, I, I haven't got my levels of cholesterol checked in a while. It actually probably is a little bit elevated after Philly. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but... I told somebody, I was like, you know, I think I might just start introducing meat back into my diet. And then they said, oh no, you need to read this book. And this is somebody who's not even a vegetarian or a vegan or anything. Hmm. They were like, you need to read this book. And then it sent me down the spiral again. And I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I want out. I want out <laughs> of this life and I can't do it because people keep pulling me back in. Even people who aren't even, they don't even care. They just want to drag me down. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Tell them, Corleone. That's right. That's exactly right. So yes, uh, lots of food, lots of lots of good times in Philly. Uh, and over under maybe uh, three times, let's say over under three times that I ate at the Reading Terminal Market mm. with this in mind that I was like a block away from it. I, I feel like if I was a block away, I would eat every time at the Reading Terminal Market. Consequences yeah. and money, you know, out the window. Who cares? Be danged. Yes, That's that exactly is exactly right. I uh, over for sure. Over for sure. I I might have even eaten at the same place more than three times. Although I tried to eat, I did eat a couple different places this time that I've never eaten at before. Which was, uh, I was going to say kind of nice, but it wasn't. I actually didn't enjoy the food at those extra places. But you know the uh, the Dutch the Dutch mm. eating place. Yeah, I mean it's 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 up there. Best pancakes. It's one of my favorites. They're yep. amazing. Yep. I'm, I'm glad you got to go to the deli sandwich place as well. You mentioned that um, at least the kid had some of the pastrami or corned beef or something, even though if you you passed on that. Yeah, 
Yeah, that was one of the reasons why I thought, ooh, maybe I should get out of this whole vegetarian <laughs> thing. The sandwich looked amazing, and he didn't mm. eat the whole thing. Uh, it ended up not being his favorite. And you threw <laughs> and that like, and all that money away. Uh, yes, yes, I did. No one else ate it. Come and to the dark side, Dean. hurt my heart. I was like, I should just, I should just do it, right? I should just <laughs> eat this thing. I didn't. I did not. It would have changed but, your life. But, if you were here, you would see Darren with Mickey Mouse ears on because you just got back from a trip as well since we last talked. We did. We actually went on that Disney cruise that we talked about uh, to the British and U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, the The sun was amazing. The whole family came back uh, beautifully tanned. And having had the the Disney cruise of a lifetime, delicious food, delicious experience, good time with family, um, I could just I could just live on a boat in the Caribbean, I think. I think that's my future life goal is to just live on a boat in the Caribbean. You can't be really. There. Yeah, man, it's God, oh, it's gorgeous. I'm not even a big swimmer. I can I can barely swim. But to the atmosphere, the the food, the weather, ah, oh, the warmth, the beautiful water. Love it. Love it. Love it. Mm. Well, I'm actually trying to get out of the heat. I'm trying to go up north somewhere. <laughs> that's I'm, that's why we went to Philly and DC, which are not any cooler, by the way. They were they were just as hot as it is here. Yeah, well, it was strange. I was in Tennessee this past weekend for the fourth, and it was hotter and more humid there than it was in the Caribbean. Now, tell me how that makes any sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's hot here. I don't know if anybody. Well, I can tell you there are people who want to move to Tennessee because they move here every day. A lot of them mm-hmm. do. I think they don't spend. They've never visited <laughs> here in the summer. That's what I think. I think if you come and visit in July or August, you would never move here. Especially in Middle right? Tennessee. You're down in that basin. There's not a lot of breeze. It just gets stagnant. At least up here in in the, in Indiana, in the Midwest, everything's flat. So you almost always have a breeze. It may be a hot breeze, yeah. but at least it's a breeze. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I mean, those windmills are going up there. So it's got to be. <laughs> right? You guys have a lot of windmills up in that area? I know Michigan has a ton of them and Indiana has a lot, but about 20, 30 minutes north of here, there's a huge windmill farm. It's amazing. It's really kind of creepy to to look at, um, especially at night with all the little red lights blinking. You feel like you're in an X-Files episode or something. It's it's impressive. Every Okay, we can move on to games in just a second, but I do want to say this. Every time I drive by one, and, and it's been a significant amount of times in my life that I've driven by those, I always think, I always wonder what it would be like to just grab a hold of one of those blades <laughs> and just go, just let it take you, you know? And I'm afraid of heights. And those mm. things are really tall. I, it would be miserable, but I think also like kind of cool, you know? It's, <laughs> it's, it's especially creepy if you're like staring at one as it's moving while you're driving. It gets trippy and it, yeah. it throws off the whole equilibrium thing. But you know, as I drive through there, I think of the game, uh, Wind Tra- is it Wind Traders? Is that the, I think it came out a year or two ago. I want to say, I know it was designed, uh, I'm sorry, not designed. I can't remember the designer, but the artist was Vincent Detroit. That's all I can remember about it. Uh-huh. I can but see it, the box. I can't think of what the game's called though. Right. I want to say it's Wind Traders. Either way, I see that, I see those windmills and I think of Wind Traders and I kind of want to play it. It's got a little post-apocalyptic sort of thing going on. Trade, no, not Trade Winds. Uh, nope. I, it actually doesn't show up on here. Nah. <laughs> That game does not exist. Now we can just cut this segment then. <laughs> Let's move on to board games. <laughs> All right. You- I had a I had a 
I had a change. I had a change here. I don't know if you saw it. I changed in the in the notes. I don't uh, look at in, your notes. I'm sorry. I missed it. That's okay. That's all right. So I a game I've been playing lately. Uh, the, a game that I played when I got back from from vacation. We went to Philadelphia. We went to D.C. In the midst of there somewhere, we went to Cape May. I mentioned last time we our kids wanted to go to a beach, and I wanted to go to a place that a board game was named after. And so we compromised and we went to Cape May. We did not play Cape May in Cape May. However, when we got back, and this is a game I'm going to talk about, I got to play this. And it had been probably not a year, not a year, maybe like six months since I played this last. Cape May is a one to four player game. Eric uh, Masso is the designer. This is a Thunderworks Games game. Have you played this before? Have you played Cape May? I have not. I have not. I've I really don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly simple game. The weight is a 2.36. Basically, you have a hand of cards that have numbers on them, and you have a map of Cape May, the streets, but in a bunch of empty lots. And you're going to be walking around the streets just throwing buildings up, which is how construction works, I think. You just <laughs> yeah, you move a s- exact number of spaces, and then when you're in front of something, you just point at it and, and a building appears yeah, that, you're building that. residential buildings you're building shops um and then you're upgrading them so, uh, so you, yeah you're building cottages you're building shops and then you can upgrade them and really what you're trying to do is you're building shops to get more of an income and you have income so that you can build things because everything costs money you are building residential areas because you're going to get victory points from those and you build a cottage you upgrade that to a Victorian and then upgrade the Victorian to something else. My mind's going blank. When you upgrade that, you put like this little white picket fence around it. All these are miniatures, by the way, of course. And those are going to give you victory points. You also get victory points from the uh, area control. There's four different areas, the like gravel part of the board, the grass part of the board and the sand all the way up to the sand. And the more buildings that you have in those different locations, the more points you're going to get. And also the closer you are to the beach, they're more valuable. And then you have some in-game scoring that's going to happen um, uh, based on your, your uh, objective cards that you've, uh, that, that you started off with. And that's kind of it. It's a pretty simple game. It doesn't take, let me see what it says on here. 60 to 120 minutes. We played a two player game of this and it took about, that's probably right. About about okay. sixty minutes, I think, and that was that was Amanda's first time playing it, and she really liked it. I was actually because it wasn't getting played as much, and I wasn't sure if she would like it. It was getting close to getting on the sale pile, not because I didn't care for the game, but just because I didn't know if it was going to get played. And now it's it's going to stay in the collection. Uh, now again, I liked the game before. I thought it was a lot of fun. The components are fantastic. I think there's a decent amount of replayability, even though you're kind of doing the same things. It's 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 almost like a a step above Ticket to Ride. I wouldn't really necessarily introduce this to brand new people because there's a couple like extra layers in there. Um, there's some set collection in this one as well. Um, but I, yeah, this is this is fun. I really enjoy this one, and the production, like I said, is is just insane. Um, and uh, wedding bells. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> but my phone just randomly um, started chiming. So apologize for that. We'll put that away. <laughs> so okay, me, but it's, I think it's cool to go to a, a location and then play a game based on that location. Um, yeah. I actually, there's somebody I saw, I don't know, it was Instagram or something like that. That 
they're keeping tabs on how many of those towns they've been to. Mm. And uh, that's like a goal of theirs just to, you know, play all these games um, and then actually go to the locations like Carcassonne and Amsterdam, whatever. That's cool. Do, do you think playing it in the location added a little bit to the experience and that's why it's it's staying um, in the collection for now? You think if you'd have played it uh, in Nashville, that it would have had the same kind of gravitas yeah, so we did play it in Nashville. We did not. Okay. Um, we played it when we got back. Playing it on the beach would have been probably <laughs> miserable. <laughs> it was really windy there, and everything would have been blowing all over gotcha. the place. Um, okay. But the fact that we just got back from there, I, I definitely think it adds to that. And, and this one does have kind of the feel, because you go and it, mm-hmm. they're – I forget what Cape May. It's like the the first resort town in America or something like that. There's some sort of, you know – history there's a lot of history there but they have all these beautiful really beautiful victorian homes and then there's a lot of really cool shops there and all that's really incorporated into the game well and so it does have that feel of like oh yeah do you remember these houses we saw over here remember the shop we went so there's that that factor for sure but even besides that i mean we played this game uh played this with jonathan a few months uh, you know six months ago or something like that we both enjoyed it having not gone there so Mm -hmm. still a fun game Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Looking at the, at the board, um, initially, this doesn't look or sound like a a game that would, would grab my attention that would make me necessarily want to play it. But hearing you talk about it and looking at some of the pictures here and also looking at some of the images of Kate May, man, they did a pretty good job of kind of capturing the ambiance of the whole, of the whole area. Um, it's really pretty. I like it. They really did. Let me throw this in there. I don't want to like, you know, belabor this game. One funny thing, not funny, I guess. It's just interesting. So there's these event cards. You learn a lot of history about Cape May in this game, which I think is is cool too. There's a pretty big stack of event cards, and you're not going to go through all of them. You have 18 rounds of this game, but they're they're fast rounds. A lot of the events that happen involve the town getting set on fire, <laughs> which is okay. You know really sad but i just it makes me want to dig into this a little bit more like how many how many fires actually were were set in cape may i was gonna say is that a historical Um, thing is that is that what it's known for it's known like i said i think it's the first beach resort place in america or something along those lines i never saw any signs that said we have had the most fires in our (laughs) town than any other town but I got to imagine they're up there. They're they're probably pretty close based on the cards, event cards that I've seen in this game. Maybe they've had a uh, history of the lighthouse exploding, kind of like in Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, um, yeah. You know, maybe that's why the town got set on fire. I don't know. That yeah, could be. Sounds could cool. Be. Anyway, that's that's Cape May. Fun times. Check it out. What have you been playing? Well, I was going to ask you as you think about Cape May, would you consider this a game that that uh, the residents should? Well, I guess you've kind of mentioned it, but. <sighs> You know, oh, is, yeah. is this something that people should should pass on? Is it something that they should play or is it something that they should purchase? That's right. So Darren had this great idea of, of the uh, triple P rating <laughs> of these games that we've been playing lately. And I, you're teaching an old dog new tricks. And so I have to get in the habit of, of thinking through this. I would say this is not a pass. I would say this is not a purchase. Per se, like you're unless, you know, you you went on vacation there and you think, hey, this would be cool. Um, I think this is a play and see if you like it, because, again, it it's going to fit in that category of just a step above Ticket to Ride. 
almost like a Seven Wonders, like a, a next step kind of game, I would say. Um, although you could introduce this to new people, I just think you, they might have some some issues with it. So I, I would say play this one before you purchase it. But it is one that I did purchase and we're going to keep in the collection. So cool. We'll see what that, you know, for what that's worth. Good deal. Kate May. Well, we have been playing, um, and by we, I mean you and I, both got a chance to play some Unmatched here a, a week or so ago. Again, like I mentioned, I came down to Nashville and... Um, Dean and I met up at Game Point Cafe. Again, not a sponsor of the show. We talk about them a lot, but hey, Game Point, you want to be a sponsor? Talk to us. <laughs> but we met up there and played some. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> on a side note, uh, Rick is a patron. So he is a supporter of the show. Hey, and the Rick. Who, thanks who for being a patron. Point. So, so still not a sponsor, but close. Right. Sponsoring Next, adjacent. There you go. Next best thing. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> and all you patrons for helping keep Meeple Town open. But we met up and we had a chance to play some Unmatched. We, we played two of the new Marvel sets. We played Teen Spirit and Freaking and Country. We played them both. Both games are designed by Rob Davio and Justin Jacobson, uh, obviously published by Restoration Games. Uh, both of them are amazingly illustrated by Ian O'Toole, um, along with Heather Vaughn and Sanford Green, collectively or respectively. Um, they play two to three players, 20 to 40 minutes. And Unmatched, if you're unaware, is a tactical skirmish game, hand, man- hand management um, with a beautiful board and some awesome sculpts for the different characters that you have. These are two of the Marvel sets that we played. Uh, both of them, your characters have roughly 30 cards and you're drawing five to beginning. You have a hand limit of seven and you are on your turn taking two actions. You have to take two actions. You can maneuver and that's draw a card, and you may or may not move your character and their sidekicks if they have one. Uh, You can scheme, which is playing a special card, or you can attack your opponent uh, with certain cards in your hand. And some of the characters are melee, some of them are ranged. We played with, in the Freaking in the Country version, we played with Black Widow and Black Panther. Um, I was Black Widow, Dean was Black Panther, And man, this was really intense because Black Panther has this ability to take cards from his opponent's hand and kind of stack them on his vibranium suit. And eventually he can use, when he chooses to use the boost value of those cards that he's taken to boost his own movement or attack or whatever. So Black Panther becomes very mobile, very powerful. Uh, I played Black Widow, who has these uh, mission cards in her hand. That's kind of her, her special deal. And each of these, I think she's got five mission cards in her hand and each one has to have a special circumstance that must be met over the course of the game in order to be played. And it's got a really cool, unique ability and also allows you to draw another, another mission card. So we played that and Dean was flying around all over the board and, and, and cheating in, in every way possible and, and he defeated me there at the, at the end. Black Panther, man, was super powerful. And um, he did get the best of me at the end of Freaking and Country. Um, but we also played the teens. Not, 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 not a beat down, I would say. <laughs> well, it, um, it, it was looking that way. I did pull closer there towards the end. Yeah. But, uh, but it was impressive. Um, 
we'll go we'll go ahead and talk about the other one, and then we can kind of go back and forth on, on what you thought about the different characters. But real quickly, we also played the Teen Spirit version. Dean was Miss Marvel, um, who has this ability to do her melee attacks from uh, more than one space away, depending on her cards and ability. And and I played as Cloak and Dagger, which is actually two separate characters that both have eight health, but you're actually moving two full-blown heroes around. And they have the abilities to play off of each other, like heal one another, to, to gang up and surround certain opponents. And um, <laughs> there are certain cards where you can play one that, uh, that if Cloak uh, doesn't attack, then Dagger gets to do this. Or if Dagger doesn't attack, then Cloak gets to do this. And they really have an interesting way they kind of ping pong and play off of each other. Uh, this was another one that sort of came down to the wire. Uh, but of all the games that we played, this was the only one <laughs> that I was able to to beat Dean in there at the in the final moments of um I had Miss Marvel surrounded by by both. It was quite impressive. But but man, I I love the 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 unmatched games. These are some of my some of my favorites. Uh, so unique, so fun. They have a way of capturing, even though each deck has some of the same cards in them, and you're kind of doing the same thing in each game. Each character's deck is so still has a way of capturing the the flavor of that character from the movies or from the comic books, um, or if you're doing some of the other sets from literature or from from mythology, like the Cobble and Fog or the 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 battles of or the Battle of Legends. Right now, I can't remember the name of the the original sets, Volume One and Volume Two, but they always have a very unique way of capturing the the flavor of each character. Um, Dean, this was your first time playing these two sets. What did you think of them? Yeah, I, uh, okay. First off, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I, as we're thinking about our top 50 games of, of all time, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Unmatched probably should have been on my list already and and will make my list. I'm, I've, I don't know that for sure, but it's going to be close if it's not on the list. Um, so I, I feel that strongly about all the things that you just said about Unmatched. The the thematic nature of it, I think, is really cool and, and really shines through. Uh, speaking of Black Panther on this one, you know, the whole thing is is you are absorbing all the energy, like you said, of of through your through your suit, and and then like using that to boost your attacks or even defense and your. Uh, movement all that so it's I, I really i really love that aspect it's cool though because I, I found myself afterwards you know I, I sit back and i think about things i could have done differently or, or things you know that i enjoyed about the games i found myself really wanting to explore explore miss marvel more than black panther not that i feel like i've you know figured out black panther or anything like that because i still do want to play with that character one because i love the character but two because i, I thought it played really well in the game but Miss Marvel just felt so interesting and the ways that I would have liked to have used her just didn't happen because of, of how bad you were beating me in that game. You surrounded me on both sides. Well, Miss Marvel's thing is that I work best when I'm a couple spaces away and I'm in different zones because I get a different boost. I can attack you for more and I can actually attack from two spaces away, even though it's it's a melee character. So there's a lot of cool things I would have liked to do, but you surrounded me pretty early and then just like punched and kicked me on, on both sides for most of that game. And I, at one point I escaped for like one turn and then you just threw me back in the mix and, and beat me down. 
So I found myself really wanting to explore that more. I just want more of this game. I, and it, particularly you had mentioned to me, the Marvel ones that they were some of your favorite ones anyway. Uh, I'm, I kind of am agreeing with you, I think. And I really like a lot of, a lot of the other sets. I don't own everything for this game, but I do own a lot, a lot for this game. And I, I want to see what more is coming. Now, the way I understand this, Darren, I could be wrong. You probably know more about this. I don't think they're going to do any more Marvel ones or maybe take a break for Marvel or something like that and then move on to something else. Correct. The word is that the the newest one that either just came out or is about to come out, the Brains and Brawn, which has Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and She-Hulk, that will be the last Marvel set. They're still going to keep... Or for, like for now or like forever? It this sounds is... like forever. Like their okay. the, time with Marvel, like this is going to be the last one. Who knows what may happen in the future? But right now, at least it sounds the plans are. This is the last Marvel. But they also have other sets that are coming out. Like they have one, I think it's Sun's Origins. Uh, That's right. It's coming mm-hmm. out in, in Q4. Um, some historic uh, Japanese figures. But, but yeah, I think this is the end of the Marvel. I do have everything thus far of Unmatched. And I have pre-ordered the the brains and brawn and tales to amaze i kickstarted that one as well their recent co-op mm-hmm. kickstarter uh yeah i think the marvel ones are some of my some of my favorite particularly the redemption row and i was really shocked i, I want to play both of these that we just played more i was really shocked how much i like the teen spirit i thought for sure that for king and country would be my favorite right now just based on our initial plays um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy like cloak and dagger. Like you were saying with Miss Marvel, I'd like to explore her more. I'd like to explore the relationship between cloak and dagger a little bit more. And the way they play off each other was really uh, a lot of fun. And even though they both have less health, the way they interact makes them really powerful. So I am excited about some future unmatched play. So this gets a, a purchase for me. Um, if anything that we have mentioned, and, and, and many of you may already be familiar with the unmatched games, but if any of that sounds intriguing, purchase that sucker. You can get most of these at, uh, at Barnes & Noble, um, various places. They're, they are a blast to just play 20 to 40 minutes. Sounds about right. Uh, going at it. The the boards. I, I, I tell you one thing I want to do. I want to play some of these with three characters. Because the especially with these sets that come in sets of three, you can play them two to three players. The boards are a little bit bigger than some of your, just your, your two player set. So I think having that third character in there could really make this, make this interesting. I've never done more than just a two player play, but, um, but yeah, if any of this sounds interesting to you, purchase, purchase, purchase. I'm with you on this one. And I think you just find it, whatever set suits you, yep. you know, whatever yep, yep. looks interesting, you just go that right. Cause there's a lot of people that don't care for Marvel too. And I don't think you have to start there. Although if you wanted to, I think you're perfectly okay starting there. Um, with, with my kids, the Jurassic Park sets are the ones that I got them into. And I don't, yeah, they haven't played any of the Marvel stuff. I, I tried to get them to play it the other day and we played Summoner uh, Wars instead, which is, you know, it's just interesting. Like I thought they would be all about the Marvel ones, but they've been more about the Jurassic Park ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for me, I, I prefer the Marvel ones. I like the Marvel world better, but also I think the game is, is more interesting. It's for me, it's, it suits me better. So I, I would put this in the purchase category too, and then just find whatever, whatever category you want to go with. Giddy up. That is unmatched. Right. Well, one more thing I'll say on this one, Darren, you could get more plays of this if you had it on an iPad, but you don't like digital games. I would play this all the time with you. Uh, 
I'm so, yeah, that just, maybe I'm a Luddite. I don't know. That does not, <laughs> playing digitally does not interest me. The only game right now that I would moderately consider playing digitally is Root because the app is amazing and I'm still trying to learn that game, but no. Yeah, the app is fantastic. I will say I prefer Unmatched digitally than Root. And and I like the game Root really? better, but but the Unmatched app is fantastic it's it's this game is suited really well for an app implementation better than what root is root is root is totally great on there too but you just have to move around and zoom in zoom out more than unmatched so unmatched i love holding the cards in my hand i love drawing from a deck i love moving my awesome miniature around the board um i can't i can't go digital on that it just it just flattens everything out all right, well, that's that's unmatched. Let's get to the Meeple Town news. Is that our bumper music? I think I have some bumper music here. Um, we've done news one time, I think. Really? And I think I made a I think I made a bumper for it, so I need to go back and look. Meeple Town news. Hey, Meeple Town, it's time for some news. That's terrible. See, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. You should, Sometimes I just start a voice and it just comes out. You should do the Walter Cronkite voice. What it oh, is. Oh, that's better. What it shall be. What it was. Who I forget who it is. Maybe somebody in Meeple Town says that I don't do the the Gus Chickens voice enough. <laughs> I think it's John. John says I don't do the Gus Chickens voice enough. So let's look at <laughs> let's look at the news. I, actually, that's not it at that's all. That's terrible. I, I, no, I haven't practiced it in a while. Everyone, I might have practiced that. Everyone just, just <laughs> skip this episode. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, we are going to get to some news. We've got uh, a few items that we want to just dig into. Some we have a little more information than other ones. We're just going to jump in. The first thing I want to talk about, and this is one that just I just saw last night. I was actually on the YouTubes, pulled up a video, and a video from AntLab Games had just posted, and it was for... Far Shore, this is an Everdale game, a game in the, the Everdale universe. It's actually called Everdale Far Shore, which they're taking pre-orders for this right now on the, oh goodness, what is it called? I had it pulled up. It's a Starling Games game, but if you go to Tabletop Tycoon, you can pre-order this one. Now here's, I, you haven't seen anything on this, Darren, at all? Uh, I have actually. I was bombarded with all kinds of information yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Tweets and videos and everything was popping up as this dropped. Yeah, so I watched some of the gameplay. I haven't seen all of it. It looks pretty interesting. You can see a lot of the same similarities to Everdale. Still tableau building. Uh, that same style art uh, is is prevalent in this game. There's some extra things that are going on but here's what i was reading about this okay and i say the same style art it's actually not uh let's see jacqui davis is the is the artist for this one so it is it is a different artist than what we saw in the original everdale but it still has the same feel for me it does anyway here's here's the thing here's the rub on this game okay i read in multiple places that this game fits somewhere between my little Everdale, which my family plays frequently and regular Everdale. Okay. Hmm. I don't know if I need that, that specific of a game in my collection. Uh, and I, I'm, I've not pre-ordered this. I'm still looking and, and kind of making those decisions, but 
but that's the way it was sold to me. And actually, when I was watching some of the video, I, I thought maybe this is a step above. But I, that was before I really watched a lot. And I really haven't watched enough to know that. But that's that's the way this is has been presented is it fits somewhere in that category. Everdell for me is a top 10-ish game. I can't remember exactly where it fell, but it fell in the in somewhere in that top 10, 15 games. So I love Everdell. My little Everdell is fantastic. I have no doubt in the world that I would love this game. I just don't think I'm going to pick it up. Unless, unless I see something that changes my mind, I think I'm fine with exactly what I have. You, are you an Everdale fan? I do like Everdale. It's, it's not a top 10 for me, but I do like Everdale. I enjoy it. I have everything for it. And so, like, I've got all the expansions. I backed the whole bit. The only thing I didn't get in their last Kickstarter was the, the coffin to put everything in. Um, I kept it mm, separate okay. because I just love Andrew Bosley's art and all the stuff in the original Everdale. And I liked having those boxes around. Um, so I enjoy the game. But I'm, I'm kind of like you, like I hear this, I thought, oh, I was really excited. You know, is this something totally unique and different? But some of the stuff I've heard people talking about is similar to what you said, that it it still has the feel of Everdale, um, almost as if they, they've streamlined a few things. I enjoy the setting, but but I can also yeah. see where, where some of the, the stuff from Everdale has carried over into this new game and that it may be playing similarly, but they've, I guess the thing that's most intriguing is that the game has, the board has this track that goes around the edge of it that includes um, a way to not only gain uh, more points at the end, but also pick up some, some bonuses. I think even some wild uh, treasure tokens along the way. But uh, again, intrigued, I would happily play this if somebody had it, but um, knowing that I have so much Everdale yet to explore, um, this is probably one that I will just kind of wait and, and watch from afar but uh, but it is exciting for those fans of Everdale, man. Um, you've got a new new game in the Everdale MCU. <laughs> yeah, and I think some of the things that I saw was maybe disappointment's not the right word. Just maybe not exactly what they were hoping for. I think there were a lot of people that I read about, and I mean, you know, who knows what the masses feel about this. But there were a lot of people that said I would I want to step up, you know, because mm. Everdale is not a super heavy game anyway. So. I think people thought the next step would be you did my little Everdell, get mm, people in. Gotcha. You got Everdell. Let's take a step up and, and do something else with this. So who knows what's in the future for this? But I think, like you said, it's more. It's more Everdell for a lot of people who like Everdell, and I'm one of them. So we'll see. Maybe I'll change my mind once I get a chance to play this. But that is Everdell Far Shore. We'll see how this does in the future. All right. Up next in the news. Grab your culturally inappropriate Viking helmets and gird your loins because Gray Fox Games just announced two new games in their World of Midgard universe coming soon to Kickstarter. The first one is the Reavers of Midgard, the card game. Do you ever play Reavers of Midgard? I've, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that game quite a bit. I, it's in my collection. Okay, I've never played Reavers, but anything that has the card game on it intrigues me. Um, but this is described as, again, I've not seen a whole lot of, of information on it, but it's described as a shrewd negotiation and calculated action selection uh, game where these are key to building your crew of reavers, claiming legendary treasures, and rising above your rivals in a quest for legendary fame. Now, as you hear that, how does that relate to your experience of reavers of Midgard? <laughs> 
<laughs> like Reavers uh, quite a bit. The the theme of Reavers does not strike me as one that comes out uber strong in the same way that it does for, for Champions of Midgard. Gotcha. Even though it's a fun game, fun experience, the, the, the theme wasn't anything that really like shown in the game. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the case for the card game or not. Yeah, maybe maybe so i feel like the card game is oftentimes something that you make for a game that either hit really well and you're trying to expand on that or you wish it had hit better and said well maybe this will get people into it in some regards maybe i'm wrong but that's kind of been my experience with card game versions yeah i'm i'm kind of wondering what uh, maybe we will that's another conversation again i guess but what what are those games that had a card game that was better or worth picking up i'm not saying that there's not any i I think there are yeah a lot actually but but i would just have to think about which ones are are in that category yeah i mean again maybe that's a conversation for later but i've got two right off the top that come to mind that i would rather play than their 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 papa or mama okay Let's hear them real fast. Uh, okay, real quick. First two are Castles of Burgundy, the card game. Oh, say what okay. you want. That is an uncommon, or that is a unpopular opinion it, there. I know it. It's in a Meeple Town. Hot take. Uh, but no, it it gives me the same feels uh, without all the feeliness of getting all the tokens out. And, and granted, I'm not going to compare the card game to the new Super Deluxe Um Awaken Realms version that just was delivered. I mean, you couldn't even compare those. But if you compare the card game to the original game and all the little tokens and stuff, I would much rather, it's so much quicker to get out the card game. I can play that solo easily. I can play that with two or three people easily. It's just quicker. It gives me the same feels and less stress. Okay. What's the next one? The second one is War of the Ring, the card game. Love War of the Ring, the card game. We're going to do our top 50 here soon, Meeple Town. Um, that one may or may not make it in there. I love it. And really, after playing that, I don't really have a desire to play the big one. Because again, it's huge. It's long, War of the Ring, the OG. It's it's so so many troops on a map, moving them around. I don't think I have that kind of time and effort to, to learn the game and, and feel stupid. Because I'm not really great at those kinds of games anyway. anyway. <laughs> but, but the card game simplifies it down for me. And man, you can play it in an hour or two and so many different ways to play it. Love it. Wow, that is Darren angering people, making people yell at the radio <laughs> since 2023 on Meeple Town. I'm not saying they're bad games. I'm just saying that if I had the choice between that game or the card game, card game. And so Reavers was not a game that really stuck out to me because I love Champions of Midgard a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but Reavers never really spoke to me. But the card game, I, I am curious. But that's not the only game in this news announcement. The second game they mentioned is Clans of Midgard, a draft, write, and fight game where you command your clan into fierce battles, hunt mythical creatures, collect powerful runes, and honor the Norse gods as you seek glory and eternal remembrance. Yep. Now, of the two, this is the one that has me a little more jazz yeah. when I saw this. Yep. Same. Uh, oh, it's not the jazz club. Sorry. Ooh. Sorry. This is uh, Maple Town News. Yeah, I'm not a huge roller right, draft and right kind of fan, but if you put something like, if you set something like that in the world of Midgard, I'm a little curious. I'd like to see what what happens here. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm with you. I I I don't know. I I'm always curious when these things come up, but I don't know how super pumped I am about either of these necessarily. And that's and that's coming from somebody who has 
really enjoyed both of those other games, the champions and, yeah. and Reavers. I would actually prefer to see a third game in that line than mm-hmm. I would to see these other ones, but I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued yeah. to see this is a popular thing to do these days to add in, you know, the card game, the rolling rights, the, I mean, I could do a top five games of rolling rights or card games of games that I still enjoy, you know, like explore and draw the mm-hmm. Isle of cats and the, the, what is it? The dinosaur Island. And you know, all of, all of those, you said castles of Burgundy. There's a lot of those that have come out and I get it. And I enjoy a lot of them. I just don't know if I'm just, you know, jumping out of my pants to, to play this game. Well, let's hope not. Or good. Actually, heavens. I'm not jumping out of my pants this to play any game. Family but. show. Good. Grief. Out of my seat, not jumping <laughs> out of my seat to play these. Yeah. And see, and I'm almost the opposite. When I hear of a card game or a smaller version of a game or something, I'm even more intrigued. I like, and again, maybe this will come up in our Meeple Town Hall in a bit, but I love the the small quirky uh, versions of games that um, just maybe a little more accessible or just do something different. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool. So there you Check go. those out. That is the, the clan, the Midgard games. Yep. Yeah. World of Midgard. What else you got in the news there, Dean? There we go. So my next one is one that has already jumped up to my most anticipated game <laughs> of all time. Of course. Right here. Now, this is how you set up a game or set it up for failure, maybe. This is a come on game game, which, you know, I love their games. This one seems to be in the same vein as like the Blood Rage, Rising Sun, those type of games. Okay. A couple of my favorite games of all time. But this one is called Mordred and it is this is the first line of their their like announcement. I am Mordred, rightful king of Britain and lord of Camelot and I've made a grievous error. That's that's the first line of this. And this is a there's not a whole lot of information out there yet, but it is an area control type game or it is an area control game. It has the uh, art and concept by Adrian Smith who did um, Blood Rage and Rising Sun and Ankh. And it is, uh, it says, after the merging of Britain and the Fey realm and the vanishing of King Arthur, various factions, both mortal and Fey, now fight for power. Each player will control one of these asymmetrical factions. I, if this game isn't the best game of all time, I will <laughs> be very angry. But it has the potential to be a favorite for me. All three of those games were big time hits for me. Big time. The the Ankh Blood Rage and, and Rising Sun two of them being in, I think, you know, top 50 for sure. Three of them. Ankh may have made my top 50 at one point. I can't remember now. It should have. Love those games. But this setting of this one outside of Blood Rage is probably my favorite setting out of, out of, it is, it's my favorite setting out of all of these. And it's close to that, that, you know, Viking theme for me, but maybe even a little higher. So I'm super, super pumped about this one. I just don't have any money to buy it. (laughs) That's the trick. I want to back it. It goes it goes to Kickstarter uh, July, close to when this episode drops. Yeah. I think actually it might have even already dropped. I can't remember. I think it's the thirteenth. Maybe it's the, I think it's the twelfth. I think July twelfth. So it might be the day that this episode drops. Um, okay, so you are gonna you're already gonna be seeing some some Kickstarter goodies unlocked on. Uh, uh, yeah. On on Kickstarter for for come on like it always does. It's gonna be one of their. It's going to be one of their projects that goes gangbuster. My guess is this one is going to be especially popular. Is that's my thought? Really? I think this one. I think the theme really is going to catch a lot of people. Okay, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not. You, you don't think so? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think overall, a lot of people are getting crowdfunding fatigue. It feels like there are so many more games coming out, so many more great games, so many more hyped games. Uh, it's going to be such a. It has been a busy summer. Gen Con's right around the corner. It's going to be a busy fall. I don't know. Um, I am curious. I, I love Arthurian lore, so I am intrigued by this. With that setting. And knowing that it's going to have the same art design um, that was in the other, the, the, the trilogy that you mentioned, um, Ankh in particular was one that, that really spoke to me. But my only thing with this is I am longing for a game that actually has King Arthur in it. You know, like all these Arthurian games come out and Arthur's gone. Arthur's this, mm. he's vanished. Where are the, like Tainted Grail and some of the other big Arthurian lore games? There's no Arthur. Like I want, I want some Arthur in my game. Um, so that's the only thing about, about the theme of this one that's, that's not quite, quite grabbing me. The area control, Simon, miniatures, the art, all great. I can't wait to check it out a little bit, but it's not, I'm not as hype as, as you, um, right now, the only like Arthurian games that I could think of, where you can actually be Arthur are card games like tournament of, of Camelot or Avalon or, uh, or unmatched, you know, the very first unmatched set had a King Arthur in it. And unfortunately he's one of the worst characters you can play. He's, he's, he's so he's simple mm, and just takes yeah. a lot of damage. Like, you know, and, and granted, especially now he's a lesser version of, of a black, <laughs> of black Panther. Panther. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but and again, you know, I think we can all look at some of the some of the cultural problems that exist within Arthurian lore. But in today's day, um, in our age and time, I feel like there's got to be some more interesting ways for us to do that um, without totally leaving it behind and, and focusing in on the non-Arthur part. But still, mm. all that to say, very curious indeed about what I don't disagree with you what you're saying about Arthur. I I actually I agree with you. I think that's right. What I might disagree with you on is the not knowing how well it's going to do. When I'm looking at the history, the recent history of Come On Games Kickstarters, Cthulhu Death May Die was 3 Kickstarters ago made 3.4 million. The newest um Marvel United did nearly 5 million. The newest Zombicide, which there's a bazillion Zombicides out right now, made almost four million. So I, there is, I, I think this is going to do better than all of those. Is my prediction. That's my guess. I don't know that for sure. How much did? But it's going to be hot. How much did Dune War of Arrakis do? Do you have that information Ooh. pulled up? Uh it's the next one. It'll take just a second to pull up, but it is. Because that's uh, the game that I'm more one point one point three million. Okay, I think this will do roughly in there. Because that's the the non-Marvel, non-zombie side. This is Simon doing something a little bit different uh, for them anyway. I bet I bet it doesn't do more than two million. Which again okay. is amazing. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing we need, game. we need to write <laughs> we need to write this down. This fit because this fits in the Ankh Blood Rage Rising Sun category. Let's look at what Ankh did. Sorry, I'm not trying to belabor this point. Yeah, you but are. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have. It's I, I think Ankh is probably a better comparison, which did $3.3 million. My hunch is this does between three and $4 million. That's my hunch. See, but this doesn't have Eric Lang attached to it. And it doesn't have Marvel attached to it. 
I don't know. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You, those are good arguments. I cannot argue with that. I know. I want to. I want to, but I still think it's going to do I, over three. And you say, we need to write this down. Yeah. I say over three. You say, I say, I say two tops. I say two tops. Okay. Which again would be okay. amazing. Thank you, Simon, for all that you do. I got my Marvel Zombies Galactus in the mail yesterday. Uh, I am not a Simon hater. Uh, I love everything that they're doing. I just, I don't know if this will be one of their bigger ones though, but it will, it'll uh, still pad the bank account. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. That is uh, Mordred by Come On Games that goes to Kickstarter when this releases. Lastly, and you the, got one more. One yep, more. Yep. Lastly, in the news, and this will be quick. Um, Cephalofair Games, which we know has been on Backer Kit uh, with their grand festival and is already over 3.1 million, I think, at this point or right around there. They announced uh, a new game in the Gloomhaven universe. Um, and that is Gloomhaven Buttons and Bugs. Gloomhaven Buttons and Bugs. This is... A- you know, before you say anything <laughs> else, sorry, do you know what that name does for me? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I know. Of somebody who really enjoys Gloomhaven. That, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know nothing about this. So I'm going to learn everything from you right now. Yep. So the, the name, again, probably my least favorite part about this, but I'm sure there's a good reason. This is a solo micro Gloomhaven. Dean, how does that, how does that sound? Oh. A solo well, micro no, Gloomhaven. I'm intrigued. Okay, now think about this. That's only $15. Okay, I'm listening. So this is, or is that it? <laughs> that's it. That's all we got. No, no. no. So okay, th- okay, this is based on a fan-made 18-card print-and-play, Gloomholden, uh, which remember was a big thing a year or two ago, designed by Joe Clipful. I think I've got his name right there. Well, and that went over like gangbusters. Uh, everyone was was digging the whole 18-card uh, version of of Gloomhaven. I think it was one like again Gloomholden. It was one that you held in your hand to play, like Palm Island or some of the other games. That was just a hand-holding game. Well, Isaac loved the idea. They licensed it. They bought it. You know, they they brought in Nikki Valens of Mansions of Madness Second Edition fame and many other um, games. They brought uh, Nikki Valens in to help co-design um, with with Joe oh, Clipful and develop the game. And Isaac Childress, again owner, uh, Gloomhaven connoisseur, uh, wrote the campaign and the story. And so now you've got this this solo micro gloomhaven that has i want to say i could be misremembering here like 20 different campaigns you can play like each campaign you play is one card and takes about 20 minutes to play you have a mercenary still and you've got like a handful of enemies that you're attacking you've got a little mini board on your uh on the table in front of you uh you you can still attack just like in the game except now not just a modifier deck you have a modifier table and one die that you're rolling, it's it's no longer 18 cards. It's more like 100 cards, but they say it's still small enough to play on an airplane tray. Now, what do you think about that? Okay, you sold me. Yep, me too. I, I'm back in you this. You absolutely sold me. <laughs> I would say if I wasn't already sold, the Nikki Valens is what is what yep. did it for me. Um, yeah, yeah, that that sounds really exciting. I'm I'm pretty pumped about this. And it, from what I'm seeing right now, this is my first time looking at all this. I had heard of Gloomholden, and I knew that that was a, a thing that didn't really super strike me as anything I was that interested in. But the bigger thing does get me more excited. And yeah, so I'm 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 excited. I'll, I'll check this out. 
Now it's listed as it is listed as solo, and then the um, and then there's a, a two player aspect of this. Yeah, there may be, but I mean, who's going to do that? It's just one player, baby. Come on. Okay. Well, okay. I, I don't understand. Maybe I'm just not, again, I'm just looking into this. Somebody said, how does the two player work? Because I see it listed as a one to two player game, but under BGG, it's actually just listed as one player. So it could be that they're looking at something different from Cephalo right. games. Maybe. Um, but anyway, I, I'm pumped about this. And it, the fact that it's going straight to retail from what I can tell is, is uh, a big plus too, right? No, no Kickstarter for this one. Well, you can back it as part of their grand oh, festival that's right. on that's backer right. kit right yeah. now. I'm sure it will go to retail, but but you can get it. Um, along with again, if if you are a Gloomhaven fan, um, Frosthaven fan, anything in there, the the grand festival is more than just Gloomhaven 2.0 and RPG. There are lots of stuff in there that if there's some things you missed from past Kickstarters, you can get. Or if there, um, uh, there's even a few surprises in there if you've not been paying attention. There's lots of videos to see how all this stuff plays. They've done a good job, so you're not really taking a gamble on any of it. So the information they put some actual bugs in the box. The the surprise (laughs) (laughs) that would be phenomenal. And buttons. So that is including buttons and bugs. All right, let's take a trip down Main Street up to Town Hall. Welcome, residents of Meeple Town, to the inaugural Meeple Town Hall, where we talk about topics that are relevant to you and to the industry. We share what we think, and we get to share what you think as well. In this first Meeple Town Hall, we chose to talk about what kind of games do you like and why do you like them? This was something that was has been bounced around in my brain for a while, thinking about why do I like the games that I like? What kind of games do I like? And and to hear people talking in in other areas of media, it just makes me wonder, are we really honest with ourselves about what we like and why do we like it? I think this can be an important topic. And we we threw this out there to you, Meeple Town, uh, in the Discord and in the Board Game Geek Guild. And so we want to share some of your feedback and then we'll kind of dialogue with that and and share a little bit of our own and, and talk about why this is even important. So Dean, what did the residents of Meeple Town have to say the residents had a lot to say actually and i don't really know because we got some talkers in here you, guys <laughs> need, to, you need to send me the the abridged copies of your of your comments looking at you topher no, i'm just kidding <laughs> um but really good responses and in fact it made me kind of think i mean this whole thing made me think about myself and how i approach this as well but i um yeah it, it i think i fall in line with several people one of the one of the comments this is from the Discord. This was posted in the Discord and on the Guild. Uh, Jonathan, friend of the show, uh, my my friend Jonathan, uh, said, anything with lots of combos and bonuses where you feel like you accomplished a lot in a game, even with limited actions, looking at you, Grand Austria Hotel. Mm. Jonathan uh, definitely is somebody who shines at all of those things, but also shines at some uh, some in-game scoring as well. He, he does that pretty well. Um, Sean says, I think the more and more I play games, I just want to play D&D without having to create my character. So story-driven campaign games are becoming my jam. Uh, Steven said that he totally agrees, which Steven and I like to play. We actually just played Zombicide Black Plague together last week. And um, 
he story driven is where he's at. He's he's somebody who loves Gloomhaven. I think Gloomhaven might be his favorite game or one of his favorite games too. Um, Nick Equilibrium is uh, Nick Hayes said. I don't know what you would call it, but Lost Ruins of Arnak showed me how much I love having some hidden information, like which monsters or locations will be turning up. It also had a good feeling of exploration and resource gathering. All those things went together and boosted it up to the top of my list. He likes combos, though not necessarily in a card game type of way. Babylonia from Reiner Knizia completely blew me away. And then one more from the Discord. Tim says, I think I prefer games where you can always see how close everyone is to winning, or at least approximately how close people are to winning. So games without the whole 15 minutes counting at the end. Dune Imperium, Twilight Imperium, Cubitos, Root Oath, Isle of Sky come to mind right now. And cooperative games in general, Paleo and Decorum recently. Okay, so I'm going to jump over to the guild. I'm, I'm just kind of reading through these and we'll, we'll discuss these in a minute. Uh, Sydney says, are you looking for feedback within this thread? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was not very clear apparently on there that I was actually asking a question. So I will do better about that in the future. Um, BJ from Board Game Gumbo said, my two favorite genres are engine builder and tile layers. Even when you do not win a game, there's a sense of accomplishment when you pull off a nice combo from your engine. Uh, and then same goes for tile layers. When the game ends, you can admire what you've, what you've built up. I did a little, uh, uh, ad libbing there at the end. Uh, Topher says like BJ, I like engine builders, but they don't always love me back. I'm not the best at quickly seeing combos or thinking several steps ahead. So I usually just do okay. Um, and most, uh, let's see, it's, it's, I've also really been enjoying the games that allow access with an additional, um, with an additional cost. Um, so like games where you're not blocked, but there's a premium if you do get there first kind of thing. Um, and Hatton Energy Empire and Darwin's Journey are the examples of those, uh, that he, that he put in there. And then he said he's a sucker for a big fat theme rich dice hucking amerithrash game that is <laughs> it's quite the mouthful and i am right there with you evan uh halbert who was on the show a couple weeks ago or a few episodes ago said i love worker placement games because they tend to be very engaging experience with lots of tactical decisions um, required from moment to moment within a larger overall strategy and then the last one we have on here is matt by my favorite by far after about 15 years in the hobby are highly interactive games. More specifically, I love games with positive interaction and uh, gave an example, um, or, or he said at least something that's beyond dudes on a map or worker placement. So Brass and Great Zimbabwe are great examples of that that he gave. Brass is is a perfect example of that, having that positive interaction. Even if you're hurting somebody, um, it, it actually helps them. There's that, that positive interaction part there. And then on the other spectrum, I love two-player games, head-to-head games like Omen, Summoner War, Skull Hollow, Pixel Taxic, Tactics. And then recently, Falling Hard for Knizia games um, and and just give some examples of, of some Knizia games. So that's that's what we've got. Kind of a, a, a plethora of different things. We saw head-to-head games. We saw highly interactive games, Amerithrash games. We saw several people put combo-y goodness games and um and then a couple other options so there we go that is uh that's <laughs> that's a lot that's a mouthful that is a lot thanks for sharing that meeple town um we we love interacting we won't always share all of these on 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 the podcast when we do this but but it but, it, but it's great hearing hearing from you and we look forward to having this kind of conversation whether it be in in a situation like this or also 
carrying that on in the Discord or, or on the Guild, um, I definitely can resonate with with some of the, well, with with many of the the things that are, the the residents had had mentioned. The, the one that I found a little shocking was, like you mentioned, there, there were several that mentioned the combo tastic kind of uh, elements and games mm-hmm. and tableau builders and engine builders and and you know it's weird that that's one of those that that I know most people I feel like really get get um get juiced up about but that's not one that really speaks to me as much and I found that kind of shocking about myself what what about you oh i would say that is probably the top of my list mm. when i when i'm thinking uh if i look at my top 50 games not that all of them fit in this category but some of the ones I get most excited about are the Tableau Builders. Um, thinking about Everdale that we just talked mm-hmm. about. Thinking about of all the different Imperial Settlers and 51st State, those uh, type of games. You even see it a little bit in like a Ginkopolis where you've got this, you're building an engine through a Tableau, although I wouldn't even think of, you know, I mean, Ginkopolis is a Tableau Builder, but it's not one I, I think of more of like a area controlled um deck builder kind of game i guess but i i think those engine builders in that vein using cards specifically tend to be some of the ones that are my jam and then on the other side of that those highly interactive i really enjoy area control games a lot uh, i don't always do well at them mm-hmm. and i know that I, I i get why people don't like them there's some king making there's some you know uh, jumping up on the person who is in the lead and if you're playing a three-player game it it's not as much fun necessarily because everybody's piling on one person uh, or, or two people are fighting back and forth and that third person just kind of sneaks in the wind. So I get there's issues with that, but the, usually the gameplay of that is just so much fun for me because it has a lot of interaction. And then theme, I do I do love theme. Some of my favorite games don't have any theme at all, Castles of Burgundy being one of them, but I just get more excited to play a Zombicide um, generally or a, a, what Sean said, kind of a and d esque theme without having to play D and uh, D. All those things I, I get real excited about as well. So every every game basically is what I'm saying, <laughs> right? And, all the games, <laughs> and that's what's funny too, right? As as I was thinking through this, you know, there are so many different aspects of games that I like, but not all the time. It's like you know, it has to have that that perfect combination. Um, like for instance, you know, you mentioned thematic. I feel like you know, thematic games are some of the the stuff that I like. The, the most. Those are going to be some of the things that that grab my attention. Something that has a story or at least an emerging story that that comes out of it. Um, something that that will draw me into whatever setting is there. You know, even if it's not necessarily thematic, but the setting of the game, you know, can be really interesting to me. Like you mentioned castles. It doesn't have a theme, but I dig that setting. You know, there's something about it that intrigues me that makes me want to makes me want to play it. I love the interaction that happens especially that above the table. A lot of times people talk about interaction. They talk about meanness and how do you, you know, stick it to somebody else or not. To me, interaction is just what kind of environment is created to where I'm having to think about what the other person wants, you know, what they may want or how might I be able to manipulate them, you know, and, and feel clever about myself. Like all those games above the table, things like auction and bidding or bluffing or, or the or the pressing your luck or the the you know racing games even do this or games where you're drafting stuff you're always thinking about what I want but also what somebody else wants and oftentimes those types of games can lead to those stand up moments um, 
which is also a big, yeah. a big thing for me. You know, I love the fun, the excitement of standing up, of rolling the dice or flipping a card or uh, some kind of chaos element that gets injected into the game kind of keeps it um, exciting. Things with exploration, you know, anytime where I can flip a tile and see what's on the other side of it, like a Robinson yep. Crusoe or even a betrayal, you know, at House on the Hill. I just, ooh, what's under mm-hmm. there? <laughs> you know, love that stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that exploration part is key. I didn't say that earlier, but when Nick said that in his comment, that that was uh, the Lost Ruins of Arnak. I love going to those new sites just to see what's there. It's completely random and sometimes not at all what you need, but I'd often rather explore just to see what's behind door number two than to do what might be the smartest move of taking the resources that I already know are there. You know, I already know I can get, I need a jewel. There's a jewel right there. I can get it. But I can explore and see what's behind <laughs> this one. I can get a jewel and a, you know, arrowhead or whatever. So yeah. that's, I, I really enjoy that as well. Yeah. But you talked about some in the, in our review of Thunder Road Vendetta, you know, what's under that hazard tile? <laughs> I, gotta, I really want to hit that. Yep. <laughs> yep. I would rather do that than take the safe yeah. way because I, because I, there's always a chance that I can, you know, hit this sweet ramp and, and jump and, <laughs> you know, do some really cool, crazy thing. And I'll do that every time. Now, I'm also, when it comes to games, I'm not the most competitive. If I win or lose, it doesn't matter for me if I have a good time. And that's, you know, the exploration is is a lot of fun for me. The hoot and holler type things, the standing up, the rolling of the dice and not knowing what's going to happen. All those things are things that I do get really, really excited about. And so for me, I'm with you. I think those those yeah. are, yeah, those are things I probably get more excited about than a, who can outsmart who in this like crazy five weight game? Now, if that five weight game has a cool theme and and it you know gets me excited, maybe immerses me in something, then I can get excited about that too. But if it's just you know math, the board game, that's not something no. that usually appeals to me that much. Well, let, let's talk about that for just a minute. Let's explore that. So, when you're looking at a game, what is sort of your mental checklist that you maybe go through? Um, if you have that kind of a process, you know, maybe my brain is weird because I feel like I have one, but what is that mental checklist? When you're looking at a game, you see it pop up on Kickstarter or going up for pre-order, or you see it in a store. Uh, what's the process you go through that you kind of determine, okay, this grabs me, this might be worth playing. This might be worth buying. Uh, what are some of those key standout aspects for you? The first thing, is the it's the components i is i'll be shallow and i'll say it does it have cool components and if not honestly i might not even look at it that that's how shallow i am when it comes to games now the second thing has less to do necessarily with the with the type of game it is although that does factor in there you know near the top it's probably more like i don't know my third or fourth thing that i'm looking at So components, next thing is going to be, is this publisher or designer somebody that has done games that I've enjoyed in the past? What have they worked on in the past? Uh, Are they brand new? Because even if they haven't done anything, if it looks really cool and they're a brand new designer, my ears perk up because I think, oh, this is somebody that, you know, might be introducing some really cool new things into the world of board gaming that I, I, I like that too. So I definitely look at that. And then somewhere down there, I'm looking at what style of game is this? Is this a, is this a style? Is this a new tableau builder that could be the, the king of, you know, Imperial settlers or, or top Everdell or whatever that I'm, I'm looking at those things next. What about you? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar in some ways. The, the first thing that's going to grab me is going to be the, the theme or the setting of it. You know, that's that's what I'm looking for. Is this a thing that mm-hmm. that I enjoy, whether that be an IP I really enjoy, like some of the Marvel characters we mentioned in Unmatch or some of the 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 literature or mythological characters and some of the other Unmatched sets? Is it going to be something creepy like a Mansions of Madness or Arkham Horror? Or is it going to be something cool like a setting, like to, like um, a city or a country I've been to, like that you weren't big on the game Acropolis, but I was automatically drawn to the game Acropolis because I've been to the Acropolis. And I thought, oh, that would mm. be really cool to play a game kind of set in that setting, but back when it was a city and around the area, not just uh, not just ruins. And so, you know, so I'm always looking at that because I want to explore those worlds, even if it is with cardboard and chits and tokens yeah. and stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, but then like that art and production, I don't have to have the meeples. I'm not quite as shallow as you, but it has to be some kind of visual <laughs> appeal that that matches the theme or the setting. We mentioned after the virus, you know, a few um, episodes ago, the the art doesn't have to be great, but it's got to look like something that I would enjoy looking at. Kate May, the game we mentioned earlier, doesn't necessarily excite me when I look at it, but if I can connect that art to the location, and if I have a personal connection to it, like having gone there, well, then I might be more yeah. apt to, to play something like that. Yeah, um, I, I'm totally with you there. Yeah. And th- then, of course, it's going to be like, okay, who might I play this with? <laughs> Is this something that my wife or my friends or our students might enjoy? My my brother or my dad? Is this something that I might want to play with them? If I see a Star Wars game, I'm thinking, oh, I can play this with my brother. Uh, mm-hmm. If I see something that's World War II or Western, oh, my dad might like this. And so um, this is a very thematic game. My wife is not going to like this. You know, who, who might I play this with is going to be that that next bit. And then it goes into publishers and and designers. You know, what have they done? Uh, some designers especially just grab my attention. One thing that you'll see, we'll we'll do our top 50 here in the next month or two, I think, Maple Town. And one thing you'll see probably on my list are going to be a few Kenizia games because I love <laughs> how he has some simple rules and lots of depth, which is why yeah. I think I like a lot of the, the quirky card games or dice versions or smaller versions of games because oftentimes they streamline it uh, the rule set, which makes it easier to teach and quicker to play, but gives you lots of depth and interaction and things to to think about. Anything that's got that above the table, how can I manipulate you, is always gonna gonna appeal to me. Yeah, you know, my tastes change a lot um, through different seasons as well. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm playing a lot of games with my kids. Um, I'm playing a lot of Majesty for the Realm, which is a pretty simple, you know, engine building game. And I, I'm really enjoying that. So when when John and I were playing a lot more games together, he for a while went through this spell of where he was wanting to play a lot of heavier games, and so I, you know, did that as well. Uh, I've been on a kick where I've really been wanting to play Zombicide type games, mm. Project Elite, um, all of those, you know, fun, highly interactive like hoot and holler games, rolling dice, yeah, all of that. Um, so I'm just I'm different phases. I'm I'm playing more solo games right now. I've been playing a lot of Maki and uh, what's the other one uh, for Northwood, and so I I've been looking at that more because I I solo game more now than I ever have. But just because I'm in that season right now, that could change next month. Um, yeah. So some of that does change the way I approach games. Like I don't know if I would have been super excited about Gloomhaven buttons and bugs 
a year ago. Right. But now I'm really excited about it because I think, wow, I'm I because I'm playing a lot of solo games, this seems like something that's thematic and I tend to like those kind of solo-y thematic games a little bit more than than some of the other ones. My key is a is super thematic and that's why I've really been enjoying playing that one. So yeah, it seasons change that. Um whatever's going on in your life changes mm-hmm. all of that for sure. Yeah, for I've definitely been that way with with mechanisms here lately because there was a time there where anything with work replacement and card drafting, you know, I was totally down for it. That's all I wanted to play. Um, yeah. Now yeah. it's a little more, you know, let's do some more auction and bidding. Let's um let's interact in a in, in a different way. And the other doesn't sound as um, as thrilling at the moment. So yeah, the, the seasons of life we we go through and where we find ourselves in. It's neat that there's that it, it's beautiful that we're in a hobby that has such variety that there is something for everyone, and no one ever has to be pigeonholed in what they like or don't like because there is always going to be something else there if you want to or if you're able to choose it. Which I, I just right. find I just find fascinating, which is part of the reason why I feel like this is. It's kind of an important conversation to have one as, you know, coming onto the show and only being a few episodes in, I think, you know, kind of help, hey, Meeple Town, here's some things that, that I like. And, you, and you'll see more of that as when we do our top 50. But I feel like it's also kind of important to, to think about what we like and why we like it just to, one, maybe that can help us save money and not purchase some games. Yes, that, you know, yeah, that's true. This doesn't check enough of these boxes. You know, maybe I shouldn't be buying this, but, but maybe helps us understand ourselves better, you know, have a little more self-awareness about, about who we are and what we are and what we like and why, which hopefully also helps us consider that with others. You know, it's, it's hard to hear, um, hear sometimes when people trash a game or trash people for liking a certain game, you know, that game may not be for you, but let's think about what we like and why we like it. And when we liked it, because like you said, a lot of those things changed. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of an important conversation to have. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's always helpful to see kind of where people are coming from and see how they evolve. You know, it'd be interesting to go back and listen to some of these episodes over the years where I've changed some of my taste and, and gone back. You know, I've never really gotten away from liking thematic games, but I think I've been more drawn to it lately, almost back to my roots is what it seems like. And I think that's, uh, I think it's interesting. And I, I, I think people do want to know, kind of where you lie in things and where, where we lie that, like you said, helps them to make those decisions. Well, we're going to be doing more of these town hall once a month is kind of the plan right now. Um, and so we'll, we'll throw out, I'll give you all a little bit more time next time uh, whenever we're throwing these questions out there. But if you have ideas for, for town hall questions, things that we can talk about that you can discuss with us, uh, we'd love to hear those. And, uh, Darren's got some in mind. This was kind of his, uh, one of his babies that he's come on with. And I, I'm real excited about that. If you want to send in any information, questions or anything like that, we're going to be doing some Meeple Town mail, uh, more of the Meeple Town mail. We've done that in the past, but we, we need more questions really. And so make sure to send those to meepletownmail at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us and connect with us in other places like social media, it's Meepletown, uh, at Meepletown Games. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm hoping to post more on Instagram specifically, by the way. I've got some ideas for um, for increasing some, some output on there. Um, if you would like to support the show, you can do that through uh, Patreon. You can do it through Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, that's right. Or go to Meepletown. All that's on Meepletown Games. Dot com. You can get the links to all that. Buy some t-shirts. Darren's holding up his t-shirt right now that nobody can see. 
really cool merchandise on there. And uh, I think that's going to do it. Oh, it connect with us on the guild. That's guild number 3407. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. All right, Darren, you ready for a uh, board game joke? I'm always ready. Stolen from upjoke.com. Guys at a bar at a board game shop, okay, says, I want a dice. And the clerk says, the correct term is die. And the guy says, I want to I want to die. Like the number two. And the guy says, plural is dice. Alone it, it's die. And the guy says, I want to die alone. That is Wow. Quite the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Just got more of it. Oh up my in goodness. Here. Maybe, uh, let, let, me, let me, okay, I can't end on that. That's, that's too, that's too dark. Okay. Maybe you what's should an preview favorite? You. <laughs> <laughs> what's an astronaut's favorite board game? Moonopoly. Uh, it's pretty good. That's awful. My collection of board games inspired movies, inspired movies was robbed, but I don't know what was stolen. I have no clue. You wow. get it? clue the board you know game. it might be better if you delivered it without stumbling over the joke itself <laughs> i literally did not vet those i just googled it and read them as you can tell you should never not vet something and then post it <laughs>